0: Atomic gigantic occasion was a sweeping
1: Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude. A common of the greatest kicker of Japan and of all men. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my lovely co host. Hello, I am the always enthusiastic Rex. Rex, you are the opposite of enthusiastic. You are unenthusiastic. What, what do
1: you mean by that? I am the most exaggerated, most enthusiastic, most obnoxious person around.
0: Are you trying to mock me right now? No. Are you saying I'm obnoxious? No. I'll have you know I'm the opposite of obnoxious. I am unobnoxious.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's true. Yes. That's that's what they all say.
0: Yes. Speaking of um unobnoxious, this podcast now has been going for like f- three or four weeks now without a break. God damn.
1: We're insane, I swear.
0: Nah, we're just normal. No, we are insane. We are the new are Kaiju insane. Weekly. Insane, I'm, not, I'm not insane. You are definitely insane. I'd like to say that we're the brand new Kaiju Weekly. <laughs> the weekly podcast. Just, uh, I don't remember what the slogan is. I haven't listened to a Kaiju Weekly episode in so long. Damn, fake fan. I okay, Did I dare you to even like name one thing they did? Yeti. What about the Yeti? They covered the Yeti. They did cover the. Actually, no, they never covered the Yeti. What? That was the joke, was what? they never they never covered the Yeti, but they were synonymous with Yeti Giant of the 20th century. You, are, sir, are the biggest Have fake fan. Netflix? No, I swear to God. I swear to God. Travis did appear on, I think it's Gargantucast, to talk about Yeti Giant of the 20th century, but they never covered the movie on Kaiju Weekly. He's, you're you're fact checking me right now, aren't you? I'm not, but i feel I feel like I've
1: been lied to this whole time, you know
0: nah, not really. you're but just that's like the whole thing. you just don't listen Getty to Kaiju Nichols. podcasts
1: I do every now and again.
0: name one Kaiju I mean, I have, podcast you
1: listen to Kaiju conversation. I have to listen to that every time a new episode is recorded. I'm sure you just love that. Oh boy, it's horrific. <laughs> the, the two <laughs> the, the two hosts on there are just some of the worst, most spiteful people I've ever had to listen
0: to. I hear they're so spiteful that, like, they post an episode and you you immediately block them on Twitter, like all of their accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Now there's there's some jokes behind that one that I feel like we can't cover on on air because it might get a little did, airing our dirty laundry. I mean your dirty laundry. I just find it funny. I did what dirty laundry? Like it's not like I just one day I go on Discord and they're like, look at this tweet, and I go to the tweet and it says I'm blocked, and I've never talked to this person a day in my life, but I know who they are.
1: That's wonderful.
0: And, like, all I can think of is, we just talked about how Godzilla vs. Kong is literally the worst thing ever in the history of the world for five hours. And we were right. We are right. That's the thing. We were right. Speaking of we were right, we were very wrong about Gridman Universe doing good.
1: Okay, look. We had... I think we had only the day one numbers at the time.
0: I don't even think we had really talked about it, but I know like when we did our, did our 2023 like upcoming stuff, we talked about how it's probably going to do well cuz the anime have been really I mean, well received. I mean, hey, it may not be doing well at the box office,
1: but it is reception-wise it is doing amazing. So
0: it's literally doing the numbers of Godzilla City on the edge of battle. Oh, it's a bit better than that. It's not that
1: bad. It's not far off, but, you know. <laughs> it's 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 slightly better. I think. Actually, I might be confusing it with numbers of something else. Maybe it's worse. I need to check. <laughs> last last time I sh-
0: last time I saw it was like doing the exact same numbers as City on the Edge of Battle, and like well, look, it's only been out for like a week, and it's already dropped out of the top ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which yeah, is sad cool. like, is this Superiia's first big blunder in a while? Technically, I don't know, but it is kind of
1: a shame knowing that. They weren't necessarily looking to end the Gridman
0: series here either, so... I wish I knew what that means, but I still have to watch, like, literally everything.
1: Yeah, you should watch Gridman.
0: I... yes, I agree. But I'm I'm going Gridman to...
1: And Dino because... Dino Zenon the goat.
0: Look, I'll eventually get there. Like, I just found... It. I just found a way to get back into Ultraman 80. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I'm going to watch X amount of episodes and then call Nathan every week and talk about them. (laughs) That's the only one. like, Like, I'm sorry, but 80 just... Oh, my God. I just can't do it. I don't know why. I I blame Taro. I blame Ultraman Taro for my Ultraman 80 problems. Taro is such an awful series. I mean, but you got through Leo. Barely. The last, like, 20 episodes of Leo are some of the most boring Ultraman episodes of the 1970s. Damn. That's sad. It starts off solid, but the moment they, like, change the story it just falls apart and becomes boring i'd rather watch iron king which does everything leo does but better damn
1: well outside of AD, have you watched any other tokusatsu recently
0: normally you go first well
1: are we you, s- are we switching to... it up yeah yeah we're switching it up
0: okay is uh... the
1: opportunity was right
0: there um I don't think so, actually. So I wow. was I was going to um I did get my Blu-ray copy of Minoru Kawasaki's uh Super Legend god Hikosa, which I watched about half of it. It's only like sixty-five minutes long, but mm-hmm. I was really tired that day, believe it believe it or not, I'm I'm tired some days. And uh like I, I got through half of it and I just kind of phased out and then I had to go pick up my best friends, so I couldn't I couldn't finish it. Mm-hmm. Um Besides that, I I don't remember watching any any tokusatsu. I, I want to. I'm trying to find time, but also like I have no time. I'm always busy. So it's kind of difficult for me to, to make that time. Yeah. How about you, Rex though? Have you have you watched any Tokusatsu lately?
1: Well Honestly, since the last episode, not very much. Oh. I've just powered for a bit I've been powering for a bit of black. Um I'm finally being introduced to Shadow Moon, which is very awesome. He's pretty cool, but yeah. Outside of that, not too much. There was like one movie I saw like yesterday. I think maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you watched a movie too. We watched. I think I I saw that we were watching a similar movie. I just don't remember what that movie was.
0: Are you trying to gaslight me into thinking I watched a movie yesterday, but I don't actually remember watching a movie yesterday?
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm not gaslighting you. You're not? No, I'm not. Then what are you doing? I'm just making a statement.
0: Are I'm you, though? i floor to you. Yeah, I, f- yeah. I feel like you're gaslighting me, because I don't remember watching a movie yesterday. Are you sure?
1: Hmm. Do you not have an even an inkling of memory?
0: Let's see, I remember a... Us- getting ready to record a podcast about something and then my internet died and it died for like eight hours so we actually never got to record a podcast what was that over what do we what
1: was this one for then
0: i don't know i just did what the contract said
1: (laughs) yes the contract Mm yes 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 the contract.
0: Hmm. You know the 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 Kaiju conversation co host contract that we both signed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hmm. I remember signing that.
0: Yeah. I do too. You know, I'm a little hungry. I, I'm kind of. I'm kind of feeling some some seafood. Really now. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to get's calamari, like some calamari and marinara. Just <clears throat> that's so good. Mm, mm. I've never had calamari, but I'm sure you've not. Not that I can recall. Dude, you gotta get it. It's so good. It is so good. Damn, that's wonderful. Seafood's pretty good. I also like getting baby uh baby squid. When I go eat Chinese food, I always get uh, baby squid off the grill. It's really good. Damn. I think you just enjoy the suffering of children. No, but I do love me a good love triangle story where people are suffering.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Love Exposure is the best film. Did you watch that finally?
0: No, but... What? You know, I'm starting to recall, I I watched a movie, and I think there was something about Calamari in it, too, and there was this love plot... Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, you see, like, that's cool and all, but, like, you need to watch Love Exposure. It's the best... It's the best romance film about
0: suffering. And love. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think it was that
1: movie. Why are we not... Why have we not covered Love Exposure on this podcast?
0: I want to say it's like, because it's... Like it's like
1: the best kaiju film.
0: I want to say that because it's not actually kaiju or tokusatsu. But, like... But, like... So I, I I do know one thing. Mhm. I watched a, a movie from 2004. Oh really? Yes. Uh it's got a lot of fighting. Uh it's got some crazy suits. Yeah. The the main villain comes from the ocean or not the villain, the hero, the main hero comes from the ocean. Yeah. And and uh you know it's it's a fun movie. Uh at least that's what they were aiming for. Oh really? Yes. Yes, do you know which one I'm talking about? No, you're going to have to spell it out for me and the
1: audience at home.
0: Okay. So so you start with the letter T and then you get a letter H and then a vowel. I think the vowel of E. So you have the the um And let's go with a C.
1: Oh, you know, you know, I'm I'm looking at my script um, because, you know, the entire podcast is like entirely scripted. We're we're scripting out every single bit and gag here. We're scripting? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we scripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scripting. Yeah, yeah. Stop talking. Um, (laughs) And... You know, I see in the script there's like this film called the Calamari Wrestler, and I think I watched that, you know.
0: You know, I did as well. And uh Whoa. you know, it is Kawasaki month. It is Minoru Kawasaki Whoa. month here at here at Kaiju and Conversation. And, and this is like and this
1: is like arguably if like his biggest
0: most or at least most well known film. It was his first theatrical film, so that too, yes. So, I'm just going to move on from the, the stupidity here. Yes, I'm very sorry for you all. And for once, it wasn't me that caused the stupidity. It was Rex. Oh, uh, well, it's it's your gag. It's, it's your fault. <sighs> Am I wrong, though? I'm just going to move on from that statement. Yeah, I'm right. I'm not going to answer that. So, we are covering the 2004 film, The Calamari Wrestler, directed by Minoru Kawasaki. As mentioned, this was his first theatrical debut film. Uh, prior to this, he really had only worked on some small, low-budget stuff. Um, of course, his Dead Short Ace films. Mm-hmm. So, The calamari Wrestler... even wrest- did a
1: female prisoner movie. Did but he? Sadly, not Scorpion.
0: Really, ah, yes. I think it's I've like heard one of, it. of the
1: rip-off franchises of female prisoner scorpion.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that's kind of what he's known for. I mean, the calamari wrestler in of itself, its conception was based off of a 2003 British film titled Crust, which is about this guy who finds a shrimp and teaches him mm-hmm. how to box and. From that kind of influence the like the idea of animals like learning how to fight or do like sports. Um, yeah. and then Minoru Kawasaki kinda I, I in a way he kind of started doing his own genre of like animals doing human things. You have his work like Executive Koala, Calamari Wrestler, Kabuto beetle go goalkeeper crab most recently he did one called president tanuki so Mm. kawasaki kind of loves this this genre of like giving animals human talents yeah and you know he started off with this film and it's it's really important that i think we cover this because uh as we've mentioned, this is Minoru Kawasaki Month here at Kaiju Conversation. And Kalamari Wrestler kind of set the standard for Kawasaki's style and kind of yeah. what he did. And prior to this, we also covered a film in March uh, that most Kaiju fans probably know by now, uh, known as Death Kappa, which mm-hmm. I will argue kind of established the kaiju parody films that kawasaki would later become synonymous with yeah so in the last two months i really feel like we've we've covered the establishment for this new wave of independent kaiju cinema that has kind of taken the the low budget scene and i think people will who could get a good idea and a good outlook on what what the genre is from these two films so I'm, I'm pretty excited that we get to talk about calamari wrestler here uh dive into kind of some of the production and just talk about the film and kind of where it it led kawasaki and his journey through becoming a cult status director of sorts
1: mm. Where do you want to get started with uh with this wild, wild little film,
0: I don't know. Uh, I, you know, Rex, where where would you? I feel like you've been uh, putting me in spots, so let me put you in the spotlight here. Where do you want to start with this kooky film uh, that mm. some people have said is the Muppets meet Godzilla? Mm. Well,
1: what do you what do you think the where did the madness of this come? You mentioned like. You mentioned how the idea sort of was inspired by a 2003 British film. Were there any, any other interesting things? I know you sent me an a fun screenshot of one of the actors from, like, behind-the-scenes material. Well, is there anything else interesting in there?
0: Well, so the thing about Minoru Kawasaki is when you look at his his filmography. I mean, we've covered two films this, this April and they were, you know, the world sinks, except Japan and Kaiju Mono. Yeah. And I think the thing that people can at least pick up from those two films is he likes to do parodies and he likes to do films that are ludicrous. They're nonsense. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't, really they
1: defy description
0: yes yes as
1: one reviewer put it i saw
0: um i mean i i as i listed off he's done films like goalkeeper crab which is about a crab that's a soccer goalkeeper kabuto beetle is about a beetle that learns uh kabuto um Mm -hmm. he
1: made a whole movie about how the entire world sunk Except for Japan.
0: Right. Um, Until it did. <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, I President <laughs> Tanuki is a movie about a Tanuki, which is a yokai uh, with interesting aspects, being the president of a company. Same with Executive Koala, uh, a movie about a koala running a pickle company. Mm, so mm. to... T- you know, I I feel like the idea of rationalizing Kawasaki films is is not something you can do, and that's by design. Yeah. Kawasaki was heavily inspired by like uh, your more exper- experimental films from the late '60s and early '70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a film that he took influence from was, I believe, it was "Horrors of Malformed Men" from 1968. Oh yeah. Uh, The director of that Kawasaki was heavily influenced by. um, So was Shinya Tsukamoto. Both Hmm. directors have very crazy and outlandish films in their in their works. One (laughs) more extreme than the other. One took a more lighthearted approach, while the other took a more darker, grittier, uh, adult approach. Violent approach, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we we get to see Kawasaki begin this journey, mm-hmm. and calamari wrestler. When talk started in October of two thousand and three, it was almost kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. There was nobody interested in financing the film because the moment they were like. It's a movie about a squid wrestler. You would... Like, people would laugh and hang up. Yeah. Like, it, it was like the fact that we do the stupid gag where we don't know the movie each time. It, it's like that. It's like, oh my god, what is this? Like, why are we doing this again? People mm. were like, what is this idea? Like, this is stupid. Mm. Um, And for Kawasaki, like... I feel like now it's a little easier for him to get financing for this stuff because he is a cult status director. Like people know yeah. him for doing He's made these a name st- for himself. Yeah. And it all started from Calamari Wrestler. Um mm. Kawasaki co wrote the script. It took him two weeks to write it. Um and you know, when they ended up getting financial backing, overall, it took about nine months from conception to release in July of 2004.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the film, you can, it's really, I, I, do you want to just go into the plot here? Because it's, it's not like Kaiju Mono or World Sinks, except Japan. It's like a proto Kawasaki film. And I think that's one of the most interesting parts about it. Yeah, so do you want to start us off with the story? Okay, so the
1: film opens with our with a wrestling match between two surprise surprise uh, Japanese wrestlers. One of whom is played by the real wrestler Akira Ogami, um, who plays a character named Taguchi. Who's like this up and coming wrestler who's just who's just won his championship in this round crowd cheers everyone's so happy for him he's he's holding up the he's holding up the the belt yes he's holding up the belt in the air and suddenly it's swiped away from him by a giant squid
0: and you know. I think, you know, as I as I mentioned, it's proto Kawasaki, and I think one of the best examples of that is the squid swipes it, and nobody's like questioning, like nobody says what the f is going on. Nobody says that. No one questions it. It's just
1: there's a squid there.
0: There's a squid there, and they start fighting. That's what it leads to. Is a maybe unfair uh, match between the squid and our protagonist or what appears to be our protagonist who ends up being a side character. Yeah. Which so, was, which was a bit odd. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, that's something I always appreciate about Japanese cinema is they don't, they don't question. Mm. and, in this film especially, I feel like they, I mean, they do question, but when they do, the answer is always, why are we questioning it? Like, mm-hmm. we should go why with it is Why is there a this. squid?
1: Yes, there is. Why is it fighting in the ring? Yes, it is. That's the best answer you're going to
0: get. Mm-hmm. And our squid ends up beating our... Did I already bring that up, how the squid beats our... Yeah, he beats Teguchi. And from there, you would you would think it would become a like story about how he trains to overcome the squid and beat him. Yeah. But it definitely does not go that way. And that is something that's <laughs> very interesting, and I, I, I think that shows that Kawasaki is not your conventional storyteller he doesn't follow your typical tropes which Mm. is a very fresh and kind of welcomed aspect about his films that later would would happen and eventually they would become tropes of their own but in in context of calamari wrestler it is something that is very welcomed and i think we get a story that unfolds unlike anything else I've really watched. Yeah. (laughs) So then the big question is, who is the squid? Who is the calamari wrestler? Hmm.
1: He's suspiciously reminiscent of... of a previous wrestler whom had seemingly passed away vanishing three years earlier for Taguchi to take the spotlight. But, But it's hard to get any word from him as the squid and his trainer? partners. Yeah, his trainer and partners seem to want to refuse to comment on any relation
0: so the the i feel like the first maybe fourth of this film is solely just trying to build up this mystery while also explain the calamari wrestler it's trying to create Mm -hmm. this interesting idea um While also establishing the world, which I love the, the exploits of the wrestler world. Like everybody knows how that, that market is just filled with, with marketing. It's, it's just marketing and and stunts and gimmicks. And I love that. Like they do not shy away from that. And I love that (laughs) aspect of the film.
1: Hmm. Oh, I love the guy who run, who runs, like, the main wrestling company.
0: <laughs> and they're always, like, like, the what sells them is, like, more tickets, sold. Whatever it is, do it. Yeah. And I think that's a, that adds, I mean, it, it feels like a satire in that regards because they're going with everything. And mm-hmm. it feels like something that you would see in the entertainment business, but that also helps the film accept what's your what you're seeing on screen. Yeah, because they're going with it, so you can go with it as well. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, that's an issue I have with some
1: like American films where, you know, there's always this need to just question and explain everything too much. And something that I can appreciate on foreign cinema and especially the works of Kawasaki is he just, he just goes for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how wild it may seem, he'll just, if he, if it's written on his pages, he's going to go with
0: it. Right now, but I will say I do like how they explain the character of the calamari wrestler like they they mm-hmm. they after they build up this mystery they start to expand on that mystery to explain the details yeah um i do i i must say though i w- i'm not a fan of the voice the voice is kind of an, a weird in a not good sense to me
1: yeah i was surprised by it i got used to it as the film went on but i was just like that's what he sounds like i didn't even kind of want him to have a voice (laughs) i kind of probably would have preferred him to just be a silent character i thought that would maybe be a bit funnier
0: Mm -hmm. but mm. but i also i i feel like if he went silent a lot of the jokes wouldn't land
1: I mean, the jokes, as they're written in the film, sure, but, like, tokusatsu actors can be really funny through just their body language. Right.
0: And and I you've think... got an
1: experienced actor in the suit, so...
0: Right. Uh, do you want to mention who that is and, and how they're yeah. I know we've brought them up in the past episode, but it's always yeah. good to rehash that. So,
1: Hurricane Ryu is... He is a decently well known suit actor, I'd say, who portrayed many kaiju within the Heisei Godzilla series, including King Ghidorah, Godzilla Jr., Batra, uh, etc., even playing Godzilla himself, not in the films, but in some promotional per- in some promotional materials such as Adventure Godzilla. Land. Hmm. He was also he was also in the world Sinks except Japan as did he play denais
0: I want to say the I'm, I'm pretty sure he was Denice.
1: Mm. I know he was one or the other. I just don't remember which.
0: I'm pretty sure he was Denice. Mm. But you you brought up how tokusatsu suit actors can bring in uh, emotion, and one scene in particular that I liked that brought in emotion was when the calamari wrestler had the dream about his love interest that we also. Learn about as as the plot continues, and he yeah. wakes up with sweat and like has to wipe the sweat off like I thought that was a really interesting and like good detail that they even had sweat on the suit to show that like they could have just had a dry suit, but they did yeah. put sweat on him um
1: i mean I like his i mean with that whole thing as well, even without the voice. You still also have like the like the moving eyes, which can ale- which can help uh, have the creature remote, especially with like put it under the right camera angles, and you'll get s- certain emotions. Uh, the audience will feel certain emotions from just how the eyebrows are, mm-hmm. the massive eyebrows. <laughs> yeah,
0: and from here, like the they start to establish or i guess not establish but answer the questions we have in reference to the mystery so yeah. up until this point they've been like who is the calamari wrestler why does he remind people of this this wrestler that passed away we find mm. out uh tanaguchi right that's that's the new wrestler's Taguchi. name tanaguchi Aguchi? Taguchi. Taguchi, okay. Yeah. So his girlfriend was in love with this other wrestler. Yes, Kanichi Iwata. But because of his passing, she had to move on. Mm-hmm. But there's something when that she first sees the Calamari wrestler that just, like, it screams her past love. Mm-hmm. And we, we see the Calamari wrestler dream about her, and we see her, like, talk about the Calamari wrestler, and it's like this – it's building up to them meeting, and mm-hmm. – It's probably it's the weirdest part of the film if I'm to be honest. Um yeah. <laughs> I could look past everything else, but like the love plot in this movie is so weird. So the squid f***s a woman. <laughs> Am I wrong though? It's it's implied that that the calamari wrestler and and her uh have a little fun in the apartment. Yeah. But also she's like a jerk. Yeah. So like <laughs> she leaves Tanaguchi for Ta-Gucci. the Taguchi. Yes. She leaves Taguchi for the calamari wrestler. Mm. Like without it, like a second thought. Like and it gets weird at the end, but we'll talk about that when we get to the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... But like, she just, drops him. she just drops him and moves to the, the calamari wrestler. Yeah. And... I mean, she, she says how the, didn't she say
1: like the only reason, was it, or was it him who said the only reason he got with her was because he wanted everything that Iwata had? Yes.
0: Uh, it was him who said that? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Because well he, he was insinuating that he was always in the shadow of him. Yeah. So because yeah. of that everything that he wanted you know was his. So like he always had to live with that and when yeah. he fin- when he passed away like he could get what he wanted. But now that he's back, like... Your, your usage of the word he is making it very
1: confusing uh, for anyone who, who hasn't seen the movie. So
0: Taguchi was in the shadow of who is... Iwata. Iwata. When Iwata passed away, Taguchi was able to get everything he ever wanted. Yeah. But upon his resurgence, that problem appears taguchi basically loses everything he loses his pride from losing uh in the opening he loses his girl he loses everything Mm -hmm. and i mean you kind of feel bad for the guy you almost want to like you almost want him to beat the calamari wrestler yeah and that's what creates the interesting dynamic is because the calamari wrestler is the the protagonist, the
1: protagonist
0: of the film. But you aren't entirely rooting for him. Nah, no. which creates this interesting and and like I said, like the love interest, she's a jerk. Mm. She's she drops Taguchi like immediately despite the fact she was like Rooting for him in the opening scene. After that, she just drifts away and goes. Yeah. So, like, I don't think she ever. In- Does she ever
1: interact with him again from this
0: point? Or no, I actually, like, uh, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, there's the arguing, and then she leaves, and then gets with, but that's it. Yeah. So you can't really root for her. Taguchi ends up kind of being a jerk until the end. Mm. So I, I I don't know what the thought process behind the characters was, but you never really, like, it's a very real script. Nobody's truly the hero. Nobody's truly the villain. And even the, 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 final antagonists aren't even really villains. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could like look at that and and kind of pick apart the fact that it 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 tries to follow the wrestler like concept of like not every like the wrestler in, in one fight might be the hero but in the next fight he's like the one people are rooting against um yeah kawasaki could have been going for something like that where it depends pr- as the fight like it depends on which fight you're looking at um maybe for your your characters um but it does create this sense of interest at least to me it created this interest of like okay let's let's see where each of these characters go let's see what happens like i'm i'm genuinely curious if taguchi will beat the calamari wrestler and get the girl or if the girl will fall in love and be able to live with her true love like there's there's a lot happening with what little we're seeing, mm.
1: and yeah, uh, and on top of that, we have the whole mystery of who
0: the tra- who, who the calamari wrestler's trainer is, <laughs> right? So that's another mystery: is who is this trainer, and how did Iwata become? The calamari wrestler. Because it eventually Mm. comes out that, yes, he is the calamari wrestler, um, and later on revealed through meditation, he was brought back to life as a squid. But
1: but he can still revert back to being a regular human.
0: (laughs) But with that, he will become weak and eventually die. That's what's insinuated throughout the film and there's there's even some meta jokes while uh like the hype for the calamari wrestler rematch with taguchi tanaguchi i'm sorry taguchi Taguchi. when i hear taguchi i want to think of like higuchi or there's another character that kind of sounds familiar to that that i i'm automatically yes so there, there's too many <laughs> too many with the same <laughs> similar last last name takasaka <laughs> <laughs> so like a way to hype up the fight because the fight doesn't happen until about the 50 minute mark so there's yeah there's 50 minutes of hype And not only are they trying to explore who the calamari wrestler is and the love triangle and the, like the fight itself, but they have to hype it up. So they have people come on, uh, like there's, there's shots of in the city where on the jumbotrons or on like the, the, the billboards that are, uh, like televisions essentially, there are people yeah. who are oh, like not NHK.
1: Yeah. And share their opinions on this whole upcoming wrestling match and how this is this is the potential to be an all a modern classic and shape shape the state of modern wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like there's some interesting cameos that appear for people in the entertainment industry from,
1: yeah, uh, from real wrestlers to even like a magazine editor of one of the most famous uh, wrestling magazines.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kawasaki would uh, bring this I, this trope back in the World Sinks except Japan because in that film he also had a lot of cameos from. Uh, people in the entertainment industry who were being interviewed on television. So, mm-hmm. like I said, you can see the the birth of the Kawasaki style here.
1: Yeah. And then Kaiju Mono had not only a bunch of Ultraman stars, but also a fair couple wrestlers as well.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And the idea of Kaiju Mono being all about wrestling you know that that goes back to the calamari wrestler um so you can you can with i would argue any of kawasaki's films you can trace its influences back to the calamari wrestler which is why i think it's important that we cover this film i mean it's it's got a lot of
1: his trademark signatures i mean obviously you've got the wild title and premise, you've got you've got the wild humor, you've got the sexual humor, you've got all the references to other movies, you've got the cameos. You've got essentially virtually everything that, you know, makes Kawasaki's films Kawasaki, but just in a less I guess, refined form, you mm-hmm. could say. I don't know, because here's the
0: thing. I don't know if I'd say refined is the right word there, but. So I I, I kind of wanted to t- touch on this because, so Kaiju Mono is his best looking film. It looks the most mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. um, From the ones we've covered and from what I've seen. The World Sinks Except Japan was obviously shot on a digital camera, Um, but to me, it looked like Calamari Wrestler was shot on film. Uh, I don't know. Or at least a better camera than World Sinks Except Japan for digital cameras. Sure. I'd I'd probably go for that. The Calamari Wrestler, I thought, looked pretty decent compared to- Oh, yeah his like world sinks mm. and that's something I, I appreciated was it looked really good. It didn't mm. look, it didn't look cheap. It really didn't. Mm. Um, And my best friend, he watched a little bit of the calamari wrestler and he was like, <laughs> the suits look, this has to be a parody. Like this looks awful. But one of the later suits is actually really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> which makes me I I would argue that the reason that Calamari uh the Calamari Wrestler and later on the Octopus uh that we'll get into the reason they look the way they do is because they are intended to look that way. If they wanted mm-hmm. to make them look more realistic, they would have. Mm-hmm. But I think Kawasaki wanted to have a certain style that maybe made you a little more connected or a little more intrigued with your your suited characters, mm. which I think's really nice i i I like the idea that Kawasaki intended on your main suited characters to have this this muppet feel that made you feel for them more so than like the more detailed scarier suits.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean the eyes do play a I'd say a big part in connecting with particularly uh the calamari but particularly the calamari wrestler himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. helped by how ex- how quite expressive
0: said eyes are. Right. No, they the so, I watched the making of featurette, and in yeah. it they they highlighted like the suit making process. Yeah, and the eyes were all like wire controlled, like yeah, when they pulled them, like that would be what moves the eyeballs or the eyelids. But throughout the film, like those are what gives the character life. Even when like he's doing nothing, like those Mm -hmm. eyes are what creates his life. It's what animates him.
1: That's I think that's a very, it's a very powerful detail. I'd say for a lot of like um, creature effects, if if you wanna, you can you can get away without having moving eyes like there are Godzilla films where the Godzilla suit can't you know close its eyes but you know it gets away with that but particularly if you have a design where the eyes are such a massive part you kind of have to (laughs) focus on that a little Mm -hmm. and you know that it really does bring life to characters um like one thing you know we've had the advent of like deep fakes and AI, um, like AI, like type art. And one of the, some of the biggest giveaways for specifically deep fakes are the eyes. There's just something about the way that, that eyes look and move that allows us to identify it and, you know, well notice if something's off, mm-hmm. um,
0: Sorry, I lost half my point there. <laughs> no, so so from what I'm understanding, you're, what you're trying to get at is the eyes in, in quite literally every sense is what kind of makes or breaks a character's emotions. It gives it, it, gives it the soul. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> and with the simple change of like eyebrow movements, you can go from having a caring character to an a angry character. Yeah. Um, I know, at least for Godzilla, a lot of times like the eye motion and eyelids was something that they, they did think about. They, mm-hmm. they built a whole mechanism for it for the 64 suit in between yeah. films. Um. Yeah. I know I've heard people talk about how in modern Ultraman they go out of their way to digitally create eyes that move light up and blink Um. in the Gamma films the budget was so low that they needed some way to like give life to the characters so they put lights in the eyes that would blink and, and you know uh, turn off and turn on to, to symbolize hey this character Gamera is alive Gamera is dying Like,
1: I mean even with something like the original Ultraman who has you know doesn't exactly have much of a moving face um, mm-hmm. you know the mask is designed in a way where you can draw different emotions from it just from you know the camera angle Right, so that's it's it's a, it's a very important
0: part to all of these characters to every like character, so. mm-hmm. and I think that especially is important for this film because yes. they're trying to they are quite literally trying to humanize. He is the protagonist of the film, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if your audience can't connect with him, then you have a problem. Yeah. And I think they they connect with him pretty well because throughout the film we end up finding out that when he succumbs to temptation and desire, he's punished and loses his ability to be the calamari wrestler, which could lead to his death. I mean, on top
1: of that, we also just get scenes with him just living his life, being a normal person or, well... Trying
0: as to. As normal as he can, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that stuff, Rex, is, is, I think, some of the coolest stuff is just seeing him day to day. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I, I love the little detail of like where he lives, like where the temple's located. The people there absolutely love him. Mm-hmm. I love that. Hmm. I mean, e-
1: seemingly everyone loves to buy his merch, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, and I w- Speaking of that, I really wish that this movie got merch, like some Bandai figures. I would definitely buy mm. these. <laughs> I'd definitely buy our third opponent. I definitely would, too. Um, but before we talk about the third opponent, so... You know, both of our wrestlers are training and just trying to like get ready for the fight. Um Calamore mm. is also trying to just live life um now that he has the love of his life back in his life and and go from there. But he never loses he when he has his near death experience with succumbing to desire with his girlfriend. Um he mm-hmm. kind of has that chosen one or that like awakening of he needs to focus and he needs to be ready for his fight. Mm-hmm. And that's when his trainer turns to help his opponent, um, which in, I think is just his trainer trying to make him a stronger fighter. That's the way I interpreted Perhaps. it. I never interpreted his trainer to be the villain. I always thought, "Okay, this is just him trying to build up the calamari wrestler because he we want to see him succeed. We want to see him grow. We want to see him defy all odds and become the best." Mm. I didn't
1: really know what to make of the trainer cuz I just I didn't understand what what was his end game. <laughs> with all of this.
0: Like I said, that's how I interpret Up until it's it. revealed, up until it's revealed at the end. Right. <laughs> so the trainer tries to like antagonize Calamari wrestler, um, like giving him a card and saying, this will be the end and whatnot. Um, up until the fight happens. And during the fight, we are introduced to calamari of course and when they introduce his opponent we come to find out that he himself has turned into an octopus yes <laughs> nobody asks questions by the way they just are like oh. what okay cool it's all about the spectacle man it, it it's all about it's about selling the seats yeah and so, and hey, I'm sure if if this happened
1: in our world, it would be a pretty iconic fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there'd be hundreds of TikTok videos about it too. Oh god. <laughs> oh god.
1: Let, let's keep it to
0: 2004, okay? Hmm. MySpace posts. Better times. Better times. You weren't even born yet. Okay, and? You don't know what better times were. But, like, I do. Maybe. I do. So... I was born (laughs) pre-2016. Fair enough.
1: (laughs) I like how everyone agrees that 2016 is where the world started getting worse. (laughs) Every modern young person, at least.
0: I mean, there's a few things that happened 2016. You know, Shin Godzilla came out and then that destroyed. Oh,
1: if anything, that's the best thing to happen.
0: Keep telling yourself that. I will. Okay. Uh, going <laughs> going back to Calamari Wrestler, not 2016. Mm-hmm. So the fight begins Squid versus Octopus. Mm hmm. It's a pretty intense fight for what it is. So the fight starts off with uh, our octopus being the one that looks like he's going to win. Um, The octopus puts in a lot of good blows. But towards the end, we get that like underdog moment where Calamari realizes what he needs to do. And he succumbs, uh, rises to the occasion and wins. I mean, essentially, the whole last part of this fight
1: and then how the sequence ends is basically just the ending of the first Rocky. <laughs> See, I... I Down? Hmm? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, down to the girlfriend character literally wearing the exact same outfit as Rocky's girlfriend. <laughs> See, I've
0: never seen Rocky, so I, I didn't know. But I know after the fight, Calamari's screaming for her. Kind of like... yeah. In Rocky. Oh, that,
1: that, yeah, that moment is exactly like Rocky, like literally with her in the same outfit <laughs> as, as Rocky's girlfriend.
0: I love it. I was wondering because there's a moment where uh, Calamari later in the film is jogging, training, and I was like, I wonder oh, if that's, they-
1: that's 100% a Rocky reference. I mean, it, it was more obvious in Kaiju Mono where they literally have the, the Rocky, theme. Rocky theme.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's obvious where Kawasaki takes his influences from. Yes, yes. So, after the fight, we it, it you would think it's over. And initially, it kind of feels like the film is concluding. Mm-hmm. Until we get a curveball and a third... And the funniest scene of the movie. Yeah. Do you want to tell people about that? So, so... <laughs> Iwata, the
1: calamari wrestler, goes on a date with his girlfriend, right? You know, they've celebrated, celebrating the fight, you know, getting some dinner, walking along the street. It, it's a nice day, you know? And then out of nowhere, a giant crustacean man just punches him in the face, jumps him and just <laughs> absolutely just knocks his him in. And then he runs away. Yep. Just jumps him, declares himself as the strongest fighter in the world, and leaves.
0: (laughs) In what is probably the best suit of this, by the way. It's so detailed. Yes. Oh, the squiller suit is awesome. So, you know, in some of Kawasaki's films, when the surprise, like... Problem appears at the end, which is something I've noticed Kawasaki does. Is there's a surprise villain at the end, mm-hmm. whether it's you know a situation or an actual character, something appears at the end. Kim Jong Un. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times it feels like okay, I'm kind of done with the story. Like what I'm here for is is said and done, and I'm I'm ready to conclude and move on. Usually,
1: I would one hundred percent agree with you on. I don't know if you're using that as an actual criticism or not, but like usually that's probably what I would think here. But this But the film, introduction is so goddamn funny. It is. So it's just like where my attention's, you know, starting to wind down where it's like I I'm like, okay, I've I've had my fill of this movie. I've had my fill of funny squid wrestling.
0: It just throws that massive curveball, and I'm like, Okay, give me more. Exactly, and that's what I love, is I wasn't expecting it, and it it came as a surprise, and it drew me back in, and there's roughly 30 minutes left of this movie. Yeah. And the film does not overstay its welcome. Hmm. You know, I would think that it would start overstaying its welcome here, but it doesn't. And like you said, it's just such a big curveball out of nowhere. It, it works. It works. It legitimately works. And what I really love is following this, Calamari starts training and wants to beat Squilla for publicly embarrassing him. Yeah. And Tanaguchi. Right? Taguchi. Taguchi. You were getting so close. Taguchi has a change of heart, which is a little weird because, you know, Kalamari yeah. is still with, yeah. with <laughs> his girl, but he has a change of heart to help Kalamari train to be the best. Mm. So the rest of the film is. Kalamari training and prepping for this final fight mm. and there's of course uh, I mean to be fair
1: Taguchi does say he's only doing it so that he can fight so that he can have one more
0: rematch this is true this is true
1: but I will agree it is still a bit hard
0: <laughs> it only gets weirder though yep so we're training, and it, it's uh, the training lasts for about the 15 minutes of the 30, mm-hmm. um, maybe 20. It might be 20 of the 30 minutes remaining, because the the final fight is not the very long. There's there's not a lot of build up either. I mean, there is a few like teleprompter interviews and whatnot, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's it's obvious that they're trying to rush to the end because they don't want to overstay their welcome. Yeah, they're not trying. You to... think it's good, mm-hmm. and it, I think what's really good is they're not rehashing what we just saw. Sure, we yeah. witnessed calamari like train, but now we have a different trainer and we have a different like a different reason and everything. They they change everything up. It's a completely different concept with a similar conclusion. So we finally get to the final fight. And we have Squilla versus Calamari. And Squilla is absolutely demolishing Calamari. Mm. Until... uh... Knocking him out of even his squid form. Mm -hmm.
1: Back to just a regular man.
0: Which this is where it gets a little weird because he can't survive without the squid form, which is what we were told. And this is where I feel like the writing gets a little weird, Um, which is not bad because it's in the last like 20 minutes. Like mm. there's five minutes of credits. So it, 15 minutes of writing is where it gets weird, which is not the worst thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, Unlike Godzilla vs. Kong, the conclusion of this movie isn't too ludicrous, thankfully. I don't know, man. I think this conclusion's a bit ludicrous. I mean, at least it kind of makes sense. It's just kind of out of the blue. I mean,
1: I guess at least it's... An
0: it's somewhat established. And yeah, it is established, somewhat. And the, Yeah. <laughs> so the thing about Squilla is he's said to be the best. The fastest, the best, he'll beat anybody. The strongest. The strongest, yes. Having a very powerful punch. So... Calamari turns into his human form. And... Even though he's knocked out, he gets back up because of the power of the crowd, which is a nice scene. It's a very nice scene. Mm -hmm. And from there, he uses his human form to beat Squilla and win the match by tearing... His opponent's arms off, (laughs) which would be fine, except what follows makes it even weirder. So Taguchi gets into the ring and like, you know, everybody's celebrating school has been defeated When suddenly we have a new character appear, a character that has been mentioned throughout the film briefly as, like, the god of wrestling. Yes. Mr. Godazan. And we're revealed that he's the father of both Taguchi, right? Yes. Let's go. he is not only the father of
1: Taguchi and Iwata, but he's also the trainer that gave him the squid and octopus forms.
0: So... I'll be honest, at this moment in the movie, I'm like, what? I, I'm yeah. I'm with the rest of the... Because in the movie, everybody's, like, shocked. Because he's, like, the god of wrestling.
1: Yeah, meanwhile, you and I, and I imagine you are just sitting there, like, thinking, what's even happening anymore?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it gets really weird, and then you have kind of a Star Wars situation where the brothers both ended up, like, sleeping with the girl. The same girl, yeah. Which is a little weird. Mm. It gets weirder when you think about one did it with... tentacles. (laughs) (sighs) tentacles. <laughs> <sighs> the love plot in this movie is very not normal. Mm. But in a
1: way, maybe it wouldn't be very Kawasaki for it to be normal.
0: This is true, and, and to be honest, the love plots in Kawasaki films are always the... the weird parts. Mm. They they feel like they're the most parody of all of his titles to me, is his his love. I feel like they're kind of the weakest link of his movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, both in, in this,
1: Kaiju Mono and um, World Sinks Except Japan.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I also forgot to bring up that there's an Ultraman sound effect when Squilla die, uh, gets his arms ripped off. Was there? Yes, it's the remember. it's the Antlar sound effect.
1: Oh oh yeah, 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 okay. I think I remember that. I heard that I was like,
0: oh, I know that. I, I mean know there, that.
1: I could kind have of sworn there was like a another show sound effect in there. Like I wanna say it was an explosion sound, but I don't remember where that would be, so maybe I'm thinking of
0: something else. I feel <laughs> like I know what you're talking about. I I definitely feel like I do. I feel like I remember hearing it's that somewhere in the film. Mm -hmm. So the three end up hugging, and everybody's a champion, and everybody lives happily ever after. Maybe they all three have a relationship with the girl. I don't know and maybe yeah, no that would be interesting maybe one of them dies from the 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 like deadly disease that the squid form was keeping him from dying with i the movie kind of just doesn't at the end it doesn't follow through with its establishments and just ends on a positive note and doesn't mm-hmm. explore the questions that i had um which is kind of a negative I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of dropping the pre-established rules and problems, mm-hmm. but it does have a catchy end song. The end song I thought was pretty catchy. It was okay. So this for Kawasaki's first like feature length. Full theatrical film because it did get released theatrically it was released in 15 theaters across japan yeah i think it's one of his strongest films mm. yeah oh definitely
1: um like where would you rank this compared to the other two films that we've covered so far
0: um i would definitely put this one on top i'd put calamari wrestler then uh world Slings except japan and kaiju Mono something I've kind of noticed with Kawasaki is as it got easier to make these movies, they seem to get a little lazier. Mm -hmm. Um, It's obvious he was working very hard on, on calamari wrestler. Mm. And I kind of miss that work ethic in his following films. I think world sinks except Japan does still have effort but by Kaiju Mono, I, I kind of start to feel like it's just, it's meant to be funny. I mean, the fact that Mo- yeah. it's giant monster thing. Like, that's the translation of the movie's title. Yeah. It's like... I mean, to be fair, Mo- Kaiju Mono just kind of has the
1: whole issue of not being very funny at all. Mm-hmm. but like
0: a couple gags here and there. Right. But I feel like some of those gags are done better in *Calamari Wrestler* with the wrestling stuff.
1: Oh, I think the I think all the humor here, you know, it's it's clearly a lot of the same humor style of humor as in his other films like *Kaiju Mono*. But here it just feels executed better. The craziness, you know. I actually, I was actually. Laughing, you know, at times where the movie clearly wants me to laugh, right? Whereas Kaiju Mono, I'm just staring blankly at the screen, except for like the two or two to three moments where I did get a chuckle, you know,
0: or you gasp because you see a cameo that you love.
1: You see, I don't gasp, I'm just like, oh, cool, he's in here based,
0: yeah. Um, and I think part of it too might just have been so Kawasaki co-wrote this film with Maskazu Migura Migor M I G I R A. Um, who he had worked on Migita, Migita. He he was one of he was the co-writer for World Sinks Except Japan as well. Um, yeah. He also did Death Kappa, both movies we've covered. But mm. he also he worked on a lot of Ultraman. Uh he worked yeah. on Gridman, he say Ultra Seven, Ultraman Company, Tiga Dyna Gaia. He did Busca Buska, Neos Cosmos, um Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. Um Was he the head writer for any of those or? No, he just worked on on uncredited episodes okay he he also worked with kawasaki on monster x strikes back uh, earth defense widow outer man and monster seafood wars um Mm. and i i I think partly why the the comedy works and i think it worked in world sinks except japan too and we we talked extensively about the writing in that movie how how well it was done is I think these two together can create pretty good scripts for comedies. Um yeah. I know I've said I'm not a fan of Monster X Strikes Back, but I also haven't seen it in like ten years. So I I I don't know if that still holds up or if I've if I'm able to come to terms that it's a parody. I d I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but this this writing duo I think created at least two really good scripts and you know, death Kappa suffers from a lot, but I think it's also partly because of the intentions of that film. That wasn't something like Kawasaki, who's trying to create entertainment Mm -hmm. and comedy at the same time. Death Kappa was more of a parody in, in its own regards. Yeah. Um, its producer for uh calamari was Shantaro Kanai, mm-hmm. uh who was also the executive who was also the producer on Executive Koala, World Sinks Except Japan, um and uh Goalkeeper Crab and Pussy Soup. All of those yeah. are Kawasaki films. Again, like uh, World sinks except Japan's a great one. I think Executive Koala is a, a very good Kawasaki film. Um, Maybe I'll have to watch that sometime. And mm. you know, it wouldn't be Kawasaki without Akio Jisouji, uh being the supervisor <laughs> for for this film as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it also wouldn't be Kawasaki without having uh H. E. Kikuchi in it. Was he in was he in Lord Sinks actually? I don't remember. Uh, he who, was definitely in Kajumono. Who was he? Um he's Godazan um, slash the suspicious um the the suspicious trainer. He was he was a suit actor for uh Ultraman Jack and Seven.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, he
1: was um, like a military guy in um, kajimono.
0: Yeah, he was uh, with Bin Fruya. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head if he was in Monster or the World Sinks Except Japan. Uh maybe I'm wrong then. <laughs> I the only people. So I wrote down um, Nambu Tordan who was in Kamen Rider Ghost, Kabuto Obito*, and Kage Musha. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the one
1: actor I recognized immediately was um, Lou Oshiba, uh, who is, like, he's the head of, like, the main wrestling mm-hmm. club mm-hmm. that um, Taguchi signed up for. Because, A, he was most recently in... Common Rider Black Sun as not Shinzo Abe. Hmm. And he was he was also in Kamen Rider Drive, I believe, in one episode. But he was also in Garo Goldstorm Whoa. as as one of the horrors.
0: Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um we also had Nomaru Abe, who was in Kaiju Mono. Um <clears throat> He was also in he's also in Ghost Cat Rhapsody, Nezra, 1964, The Upcoming Hoshi 35, Earth Defense Widow, Monster X Strikes Back, Uh Ultraman Mebius, World Sinks, Except Japan, uh, Nexus and Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, and also made appearances in Tiga Dina Gaia. Or Dinah in Tiga and Dinah, the movie. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of uh Kawasaki regulars in this film, yeah. Granted, they weren't regulars at this point, but they would end up becoming S- regulars. soon to be regulars. Yes, yes. So, I mean, overall, like, where would you? Did you say how you would classify, like, rate these films? Ah, um. You see, Taiju Mono is definitely
1: straight to the bottom, <laughs> straight to the bottom, as it was last time from here i think it's a bit more difficult cuz i i like both calamari wrestler and world sinking except japan fairly closely but i think i i think i might give calamari wrestler the slight edge purely just because i thought it was legitimately funny mhm <laughs> and come on that whole scene with squilla attacking <laughs> Him on the street
0: that that was just too good. <laughs> it becomes funnier when you realize it's his dad. Yes, I know. Yeah, I, I definitely think Kawasaki came out of the gate with a really good film. Mm-hmm. I think he has produced some stuff since then that that have. Held up to that standard, I think World Sinks, except Japan, is probably his best written. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with like World Sinks probably being the best written of the films that he's done.
0: But that's also because I, I I like it for its non-comedy parts because that's the stuff that interests me. So World Sinks, I definitely think was
1: is more. Interesting to talk about because of that aspect of it, mm-hmm. and just everything that's sort of going on with that movie politically,
0: right? Whereas, like Calamari Wrestler, it definitely feel feels like they're making jokes of like the wrestling scene and whatnot, mm-hmm. but they're not. Yeah. They're not like trying to dive into the politics of this. No. Nah. It's a simple story. It's it's not entirely
1: nothing. Like how like how they talked about Kaiju Mono being essentially meaning nothing. There's there's things there. It's just not as subs- nowhere near as much of a focus as in uh, World Sinks, right?
0: But I mean, overall, I. I definitely understand why Calamari Wrestler has become kind of a cult hit. Um mm-hmm. it's It's definitely not, like, well, well-known, but it's his best known from what I've understood of his earlier works. Um, yeah. Kabuto O'Beatle and Goalkeeper Crab haven't even received Western releases as of yet. Um, mm mm-hmm. I mean, stuff like Earth Defense Widow hasn't seen a U.S. release. Outer Man saw a streaming release, but nothing more than that. Um, I thought it got a Blu-ray. It did not. Not in the States. Really? Mm-hmm. I could have sworn I saw a Blu-ray for sale. Mm-mm. No, the only... The only Am br- I being gaslit No, again? I swear to God, because I own all of his films that are available, which are Calamari Wrestler, uh... Executive Koala, The World Sinks Except Japan, Uh, Monster X Strikes Back, Attack the G8 Summit, Kaiju Mono, uh, Monster Seafood Wars, Super Legend God Hikoza, and I want to say that's it. Hmm.
1: Damn, yeah, even looking it up, I seem to be wrong. Um, Screw you.
0: It's unfortunate because I I would love to see these other films of his get releases. Uh, Kabuto Beetle, uh, and uh, Goalkeeper, Crab, especially since those are his earlier works that never got released. Oh, I also forgot The Rug Cop. The Rug Cop got a release. Um, You also have Pussy Soup uh most recently you have president tanuki planet prince 2021 he has an upcoming film titled UFO he's releasing um yeah so like i i would love to see more kawasaki um i know synapse films has worked with him i know sentai filmworks has uh srs cinema but and even uh, media blasters, but I don't know what it is. It it seems like now nobody's really interested in licensing his non kaiju work. Mm. But even to that, there's still like Earth Defense Widow and Outer Man that have not seen physical releases. Yeah, yeah. And I would argue Super Legend God Hikosa is not kaiju. So it's it's Henshin. I can't comment. <laughs> so i mean and and i think uh, calamari wrestler like it started something that i think is synom- synonymous with with uh kawasaki and that's the mm-hmm. humanoid animal series cuz you have calamari wrestler kabuto o beetle executive koala executive koala crab goalkeeper uh pussy soup president tanuki those like that that's in in of itself is a box set that like is waiting to happen of kawasaki's yeah. animal uh humanoid animal series and i think he's even labeled them as such uh like they're all in a series of of these concepts, mm-hmm. I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm.
1: But when? But here's the thing: when are we getting the calamari wrestler vs. executive
0: koala? That's the question. I think you should walk, watch executive koala. I probably should. I actually definitely I definitely would recommend it. So the the name of the series is Actual Actually Absurd Animal Series which mm-hmm. includes the films that I've uh that we've brought up um Calamari Wrestler, Crab Goalkeeper, Executive Koala uh Yeah, President Tanuki. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I'd love to see these Films get more acknowledgement because they're, I think uh, executive koala is a great example of one that jumps over genres that you don't expect. Um, The calamari wrestler, I think is, it's not It
1: defies expectations. It
0: does. It (laughs) does. And that is the most interesting aspect is it doesn't, it doesn't fall into any stereotype. It, it 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 birthed its own genre. Um I was reading in my research that Crust, the British film, uh it was really well received in Japan, and that's what birthed the idea of the absurd animal stuff. And Kawasaki mm-hmm. is one of the biggest contributors to that genre. Um yeah. with his works. And his movies have a charm. Those absurd animals uh films have a charm to them that is much appreciated, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I definitely enjoyed this film.
1: Um, I think it you know, this between this and World Saints except Japan, I'm definitely getting a lot better of an impression on
0: Kawasaki than what Kaiju Mono gave me. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> And the unfortunate part is with this, we're down to one more week and then oh, no. we're done with, with April. So we can only cover one more Kawasaki film and then oh. we'll have to hold and it, off.
1: And it's crazy. It's, it's even crazier too. Cause for us, April has only just begun.
0: Yeah, but it's it begun very... It's, a, it's It's been a very long <laughs> beginning. Very long. Yeah, for beginning. both of us. Yeah. So, with that being said, stay tuned for next week's episode where we will conclude Kawasaki Month with something... Uh, I think kind of a combination of two of the films we've covered... This April and if you guys liked this Kawasaki month, let us know because I would love to cover Kawasaki next year in April too if if the schedule permitted because we still uh, have at least uh, another month full of Kawasaki we could do.
1: I mean, even if we don't have, even if we don't do another month, I'm sure we'll cover more Kawasaki films eventually. Mm-hmm. I, I would we cover like, Dark Water this year, so <laughs>
0: yeah, I would. I would like to eventually get to the point where we've covered all of Kawasaki's films that we can. So, well, I feel like, I mean, we haven't hit two hours yet, but we're, you know, we're getting close. So, I feel like we could wrap things up here, uh, yeah. So people can can get moving on. Uh, why don't you let the lovely people at home know where they can find you, Rex?
1: Oh, gladly. Dear, dear listeners, you, you can find me on YouTube at Rexxeno, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, on Instagram, Rex underscore Xeno. And if you want to check out some of my writing, go check out the Tokusatsu Network.
0: And all of these links can be found in the description below in our link trees just to let you guys know. Yes. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at ET13productions, on Instagram at ET13productions or on YouTube at ET13productions. I also write for Kaiju Ramen Media. You can go to kaijuramenmagazine.com and check out my articles. I actually published one of the only uh English news reports on Kawasaki's President Tanuki when it got announced for its premiere. Um, You can also purchase issues of Kaiju Raman Magazine where I have contributed, whether it be an interview or an introduction to a franchise or an overview of a movie or franchise. So definitely check those out. As I said, all of this can be found in the descriptions below. Moving on, if you want to support the podcast... Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't. Kinda, not really. That's a lie. He's lying. I am using a MacBook Pro as we speak. You can rate us on Spotify. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju conversation related, tweet us and follow us on Twitter at Kaiju underscore C O N V E R S. If you don't have Twitter, You can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting, you don't have any social media. Lucky you. You can email us at Kaiju at gmail.com all lowercase, all one word, you know, the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. Uh, Recently, we did have a little bit of a listener feedback in our discord server, which I'll be bringing up in a little bit from user Mm -hmm. Jurgen. He said uh, that he has noticed some of our episodes are lengthy, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but it does mean sometimes that he ends up listening to half of it and then has to remember to pick it up another time. So in a way it sometimes feels like two episodes. And he says, tangents can make podcasts great. So thank you, Jergen for giving us some lovely feedback. We love going on tangents. We talk for way too long and i get way too little sleep (laughs) goofy our elijah i swear (sighs) we also have a teespring store eventually we'll have original artwork on there but until then you can have our awesome logo not the one that you'll see on the podcast square but two of variations of that logo If you'd like to chat with us or uh, chat with people that relate to you on similar things, check out our Discord server. Recently, we had a conversation about, uh, it looks like April Fool's. Uh, As Rex mentioned, we are recording this ahead of schedule because of the crazy schedule we are about to have. So, yes, the conversation was about April Fool's and the potential for what was a joke and what was not. Today or I guess yesterday now, from the official accounts related to Godzilla and all things Kaiju and Tokusatsu, it's a great community full of great people. A lot of great conversations on there. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you could be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channel, like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky on the channel. Probably butchered his last name. I apologize once more. You definitely did, I'm sure. A huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and all the content we upload. As I mentioned before, his links can be found in the description below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeMana of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at DanZilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website, GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. Mm-hmm. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set, we are in debt, there's nothing to
1: sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Kaiju. Not too big now, baby. His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. We love those kaiju, baby. And you will too now.